What is good, Whisper Nation? It is April 7th, and we're going to be talking about those second-year running backs right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. That's right. Second-year running backs, as my partner Johnny just said. But if you are hearing my voice or seeing my beautiful mug, do us a huge favor and hit that like button and share this on whatever platform you are on. It really helps us with the algorithms, helps us grow our channel. If you are not growing in this life, you are dying, and we do not want to die. So please help our channel continue to breathe that virtual air by sharing this video. If you are new to the Fantasy Whispers, welcome. Please consider hitting us up with that follow or a subscribe on whatever platform you find us on. We release fantasy football content daily. You can find us and all of our past shows on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. Just search the Fantasy Whispers or go to thefantasywhispers.com. Everything is there. Johnny, we're doing it. We're going to talk these second-year running backs. We were talking about at the top of this, this show here. We were talking about it a little bit on our mock drafts we've been doing, which you guys can all catch on Monday. We go uh, live there uh, doing our mock drafts with some people in the industry, our buddy Austin, uh, contributor Austin, all, all these different people in the community join us. And one of the recurring themes was the second year running backs. There's a stable of them within the second round, third round, depending on the size of your league that we're seeing in ADP. And Johnny, we wanted to jump into that. But before we do, before we talk about those guys, the running backs, second year running backs, you had, a, you had a couple of questions uh, you wanted to get at me and, and Whisper Nation. So Whisper Nation, let us know on whatever platform you're on. Comment uh, your answer to some of these questions. Johnny, what do you got for us? Well, we might be uh, we might be talking about, you know, the second year running backs, Travis, uh, which we both love. A lot of people love. But I do have to take a second before we jump into that to uh, I am going on my uh, today is my third year wedding anniversary. Mm. So I'm going to I want to give a big shout out to my wife uh, without her that none of this would be possible. So a uh, big shout out to my wife, Jade. Happy anniversary. And uh, without further ado. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. I want to say happy anniversary to both you two as well. Uh, Johnny is not kidding when he says that without Jade, this would not be possible. She's made a lot of sacrifices in her life. Johnny's made a lot of sacrifices in, in his life to help us both pursue this. And uh, I just got to give a bunch of love out to Jade and, and Johnny on their special day. Whisper Nation, drop a happy anniversary in the comments if you want to. Uh, because these guys, uh, they're a great couple. They're they're a model for what you want. They're hashtag goals. So uh, give them some love, well, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Big Travi was uh, one of my groomsmen. So, yeah, three years ago today, we were... Uh, we were cutting it up we were, on the dance yeah, floor, dude. And smash, smashing some beers and uh, and whiskey. Uh, oh, and, no, I don't and know the, about any of that, dude. I'm yeah, a good oh, Christian boy. Oh, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> All right, so... Let's jump in this uh, this first segment here before we, we like to warm up. I do appreciate everyone who is joining us in uh, the in the during the show right now. Josh, a real quick cooked FN shout out to you guys. Appreciate the love. Um, all right, Travis, would you rather? OK, we're talking RB twos today. And so a lot of those RB twos are or second year uh, running backs are going in the second round. Right. So um, I'm going to give you a list of guys i want you to tell me who you would rather have all right and then here's a there will be a a, a little trick or a, a twist at the end okay so just let bear with me I'll, I'll let you in on that detail in just a second okay so there's gonna be nine questions here i want you to tell me who you would rather have all right of the two 
Okay. And these have to do with our, the, the second year running backs. Okay. So would you rather have Zeke or JT Jonathan Taylor? Uh, this one's tough for me. I, I keep battling with all these are going to be tough. dude. If he's, if he's, if he's priced high, I'm actually going to go with Zeke here. Okay, Zeke, we got one. All right. Um, second question. They're only going to get more difficult, just FYI, okay? Uh, Jonathan Taylor or Saquon? Oh, this is easy. Saquon Barkley for me. Yeah. Okay, Saquon. Uh, Aaron I just Jones. Said it was easy because I wanted to mess with <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron Jones or Cam Akers? Give me Aaron Jones, baby. All right. Would you rather have James Robinson or Tyreek Hill? I'd rather take Tyreek Hill. Okay. Wow. They, we're striking out right now with these uh, second-year running backs. Austin Eckler or Dobbins? J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to take the upside of J.K. Dobbins here. Okay. First rookie selection there. Um, C.E.H. or Miles Sanders? Give me C.E.H. I like the bounce back this okay. year. I have some questions about that Eagles offense, but I think uh, it's a by a hair at C.E.H. All right. Um Antonio Gibson or Joe Mixon? Ooh, this one is tough, man. I love the value of Joe Mixon going where he's going, but I think that Antonio Gibson's like shine is really is really doing it for me. I'm gonna go with Gibson here. All right, that one like I was like, Whoo, that one was a tricky one. When I wrote that down, I was like, this one's a really good one. All right, uh, DeAndre Swift or David Montgomery? Man, this is another one. And, and Montgomery is priced so absurdly lower than these other guys that are in their second year. Mm-hmm. And I just don't get it. I, I think I would rather have. I think I would rather have Swift on pure upside alone. Okay. All right. Uh, and then the last one here. Would you rather have Zach Moss or a year supply of Delight? coffee the the coffee the breakfast buzzes and for for whisper nation who's listening and tuning in right now uh delight is a uh like a local restaurant i think i don't think they're yeah they're like a cafe restaurant they do sandwiches and breakfast and they also do some coffees out there in the in the scottsdale area and they do this breakfast buzz turn me on to this place they make this protein shake coffee infused protein shake in the morning with banana chocolate peanut butter and this thing man it's only like 400 calories it's not even that bad it's 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 just a beast of a shake and you just start your morning off with it and you feel like you got breakfast you got energy you got protein all in one pack and i'll tell you what this is not even close i would take a lifetime supply no it's not that. a lifetime i oh, couldn't oh, i knew that year? was too easy it would be oh. a year supply oh, a year, year supply? or like a, a year card Honestly, or, you I would know, take like, a week's i would take a week supply over than that with uh with zach moss wow yeah okay, okay. <laughs> yeah josh a says you can get bigger than zach moss with that protein shake he's not <laughs> kidding man that massive gains uh with that shake man if you guys yeah. are ever in the phoenix area hit up delight we're trying to Tell get sponsored me. here uh, that's See, what right. this whole segment was about. Johnny just wants to get a sponsor. <laughs> right. I'm going to post this video. Zach Moss buzz. or a breakfast buzz. Those uh, are some right. good ones, though. Okay. Uh, Those were some good ones. Okay. So uh, just to recap real quick, uh, you took Zeke over JT, Saquon over JT, Aaron Jones uh, over Cam Akers, uh, James Robinson over Tyreek Hill. Or, sorry, excuse me. Tyreek Hill over James Robinson. You took J.K. Dobbins over Austin Eckler. Took CEH over Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson over Joe Mixon, 
DeAndre Swift over David Montgomery, and you took the delight over Zach Moss. Whisper Nation, we want to know what you think of these breakdowns. Let us know who you're choosing of those guys and why. And then as we move on to this next part of the show, Travis, my job here. So you only chose, uh, you know, you chose four uh, rookies in total. But um, I think a couple of those guys could be a little bit up for debate. So I'm going to we'll revisit this after this show, after we give our rundown. I'll see if I can convince you of a couple of these running back of these second year running backs. uh, and, And then we'll revisit to close out the show. See if we change your mind at all. All right. Sounds good, Johnny. Before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about these rookie running backs coming into their second year. Let's look back at 2020 and just quickly go down the top, you know, 10 or so of the rookies that were the highest scorers in fantasy points per game from the running back position. So James Robinson led the field with 17.9, followed by Jonathan Taylor with 16.9, DeAndre Swift with 14.6. Gibson came in fourth with 14.4. We had Clyde Edwards-Elaire at 13.5. Salvan Ahmed uh, got in with 11.5 in the sixth position. Remember, he didn't play a full slate of games because they had some injuries to to Miles Gaskin as well. J.K. Dobbins, 11.2, was good for seventh. And then tied for eighth is Cam Akers and Zach Moss with 7.8 points per game. This is a really good piece of perspective, Johnny, because we look at a guy like Cam Akers and Zach Moss who are at polar opposites of excitement right now heading into this year mm-hmm. but really the production was similar in both of them this year, last year as far as a points per game basis now we know that stat does not say everything about no, what they were able to do l- listen uh, whisper nation knows what you're trying to do over here with zach moss you're trying to prep him oh, up yeah. and talk him up but no, uh, i think uh, we need to understand though that you know, and we'll talk a little bit about Cam Akers. It's an interesting point that I think we're trying to crown his ass a little early here, and uh, and that's based on some some rightful stuff that we got to talk about. But it, it'll be interesting to talk about that. Let's start with Jonathan Taylor, Johnny. I think that's the that's where we got to start here. He's definitely the highest ADP of all the second year guys. We were seeing him go as number four, number five uh, off the board in mock drafts so far this early off season. And why not? Finishes the RB4 in standard and the RB6 in PPR. Uh, We saw this kind of roller coaster year for Taylor. Okay, week 10 was one of his worst games at Tennessee. He had only nine touches for 37 yards. Uh, Then he had the Green Bay game uh, in week 11, gets 26 touches. Then he gets COVID or at least is on the COVID list, misses week 12 versus Tennessee. And then absolutely goes nuclear, Johnny, over the final five weeks. 21 touches was his average. He averaged 144.6 all-purpose yards, scored eight touchdowns in that stretch. After returning from COVID and that and that list that he was on, no other running back scored more points than Jonathan Taylor from weeks 13 through 17. So we talked about him averaging, Johnny, as the number two, 16.9 points per game. That's heavily weighted by the 26 PPR fantasy points per game that he averaged in weeks 13 through 17. Um, so he really had a combination of getting more touches, and then I think what you're going to add is that he didn't he didn't face a lot of tough competition either. Yeah, that's my major complaint right now is that, yeah, I understand how he finished the end of the season, Travis. And and that's all good and dandy. And and trust me, like I, I definitely think that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be one of the these better running backs come these next few years. 
But let's just put into perspective and just cool down a little bit on on some of these, you know, second year running backs coming in here or even other positions. We'll be talking about wide receivers on Friday, but let's actually dive into what Jonathan Taylor did. He did explode for sure, but in reality, he only faced two top 10 rushing defenses all season. And in particular, he had a very nice schedule at the end of the year, which you talked about how he monstrously broke off. Uh, he had Houston and Jacksonville, the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, three of the last five games. And then if you even look at take week 14, he played the Las Vegas Raiders and they were ranked 24th. So they were a bottom uh, a bottom 10 in the rushing defense, Travis. And, and then on top of that, let's just look at what else he's got to face. When you or when you took the, the Baltimore game and the Cleveland game, they were weeks five and weeks nine. Now, uh, it's hard to get a full picture of what he could possibly do because in those two games when he did face a, a difficult defense, he did get 55% snap share in week five against Cleveland, but it was 12 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown him, he ended up getting 14 four fantasy points that week against Baltimore in week nine. However, different story, 8.4 fantasy points. He only did see 31% snap share, six carries for 27 yards and a touchdown. So the touchdown saved him in both games. Now, if you look at the schedule coming up this year, Travis, we don't know the dates, of course, because that stuff hasn't been released yet, but we do know the teams, right? Uh, and there are three teams that he'll face that were in the eight uh, of last year in run defense that that's Tampa Bay LA Rams and San Francisco 49ers I would have a high guarantee that those three have a good potential to be top 10 again this next year and so he's got three three difficult matchups there you look at Carson Wentz under Frank Wright when he did play under him he only threw to the running back 13% of the time. So that, you know, we may, we talk about the major upside of, of Jonathan Taylor, if he can get that rushing or that receiving ability, but Carson Wentz doesn't tend to usually throw to the running back position. Now I will say since Reich has come over to Indianapolis, they have averaged about 20% uh, target market share to the running back. So that's, that is a little bit of a good sign, but then you're also talking about Marlon Mack coming in. I think it's an underrating signing. Uh, I think people are writing him off a lot because of the Achilles injury. I think, you know, technology and, and things how it is today, Travis, I think Marlon you Mack think can come back. to be a hundred years yeah, old? Dude. Is, that, is that what you're getting dude, I Yeah, I read a story hey, just last week where they were putting pig's heart and, and the humans, dude. Yeah. It well, didn't here's, work. Here's what I, they I died, but... I want to bring up to your point here... <laughs> Eowyn Kelly uh, over here on YouTube says, love yeah. Taylor. Any concerns? He won't be getting the touches until later this year, in, later in the year. I think the reason he got a lot of the work last year was a couple things. He was shaking off issues that he was having with vision, uh, issues that he was having as a rookie coming into this uh, game. This game gets tougher at that level. We obviously know that. Um, we know that this line, he was not hitting his blocks in time, and we knew that he took time. I mean, we didn't have, we had the COVID off season, right? So we didn't have the learning experience, the reps that he actually needed to get in there. We do know that he only dropped one pass. Okay. And the, the big question for Jonathan Taylor coming into last year was, could he catch? We didn't see it a lot when he played in, in college. Well, he could catch last year. He proved that. And Johnny has concerns about if the target market share will be there uh, for running backs under Reich. I have to, I have to think that it will happen there. It happened towards the end of last year with Philip Rivers. Now we know that's quarterback based, of course, but for 
Frank Reich is also a guy that will get that involved in the offense. And let's not act like the Indianapolis squad is so stacked with other weapons that they won't need to throw to the running back. I think that they have weapons that are unproven. They've got guys, you know, outside of T.Y. I Hilton. That are there, they're guys that need development. And and yes, they could develop under Wentz, but I think Wentz is going to try and be smart. And so is Frank Reich to get Wentz back into this. Because remember, Wentz's confidence is also shaken as well, coming from Philly and being out of there. Now, um, I think that you are right in the Mac signing, that it is a little bit more underrated than people think. If he comes back healthy, Mac is going to be a guy that's a better version of Jordan Wilkins, who was getting splitting time, splitting work with. Uh, Jonathan Taylor to start last year. Now, what's going to be the biggest caveat for all of this that we're talking about concern? The fact that Jonathan Taylor is one of the better running back prospects we've seen come out of college in the last few years. And so if he comes in and he just does what he's supposed to do and dominates, they're going to have no choice but to continue to feed him the rock. So I would say that, yes, there's an opportunity where his upside gets capped here, but Talent always rises to the surface. So I would think that in my case, or, I think that Jonathan Taylor like, will uh, rise to the top here. Or like Macho Man Randy Sa- Savage says, the cream always rises to the top. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, what a what a great rendition of, of the late, great uh, Macho know, Man. Got A1 it. Kelly, I, I got to give a shout out to everybody in here. A1 Kelly, who's, who's firing off some questions and comments. Jaws Whedon, uh, love you, man. You've been in here uh, since day one. Jacob Blay, obviously number one fan. And we talk about Josh A and Cooked FN. Just thanks for uh, being in here, guys. Uh, yeah, I think you know there's there's some concern to be had there. I want to move on to our next guy, James Robinson, Johnny. This is another hot topic yeah. um, for a lot of team or for a lot of fantasy GMs out there. And so let's just start it off. Let's do a little recap of what Robinson was able to do. RB seven in PPR and in standard. Even missed his final two games undrafted. We had the Fournette trade. We had Divine Zigbo injury. Ryquel Armstead went to COVID. Chris Thompson was uh, added. And so remember here, you know we had Mac from Saturday snap up uh, for the Snap Fantasy Football Podcast on the mock draft a couple weeks ago, and he was saying James Robinson's getting overhyped. Do not um, don't don't take do not. Yeah. Do not fall for it. Don't go draft him. This Jaguars are going to bring somebody in. Even You know, he didn't have anybody with him last year and they made some he made some great points. OK, um, the bottom line is he had one game over under ten and a half PPR points all last year. He averaged fourteen point four fantasy points per game. We talked about this. Um, and so I just think that this is a guy that was really good. So, Johnny, we've got to ask. We've got to talk to Whisper Nation and say and work through this. And I'm going to bounce the mic over to you here in a little bit and what your take is. Um, what are we supposed to do with James Robinson? Because as of right now, they didn't bring anybody in. They didn't sign anybody in free agency. Uh, of no, Well, uh, I'm sorry, they signed... Oh, oh, uh, oh, Carlos Hyde. Carlos oh, Hyde, come yeah. on. Oh, do, but that's not people, that's not people want to some... cha- people. People want to paint this picture of, oh, don't go chasing James Robinson, dude. Just please <laughs> stick to the rivers and then and the lakes that you're used to. That's what they're trying to tell me. But here's here's the thing, though. We we just had a that's what they're trying to tell you. But. <laughs> they had an we just talked for eight minutes about Jonathan Taylor and how great he was and like how how we expect him or what his potential cap and ceiling could be. And I don't think enough people are, are talking about not not only what James Robinson did last year by storing on to the, you know, onto the the story late and the scene late and um, being a fantasy darling for you. 
Let's look at what else he did last year. He had the most, so most runs of 10 plus yards. Jonathan Taylor, who we just talked about for eight minutes, uh, had 35 of those. James Robinson was second behind him, Travis, with mm-hmm. 31 of those. Jonathan Taylor, but so so you would say, okay, well that just yeah, that just is, begs. This is the ar- argument that I think just baffles me is that people are like, yeah. well, he didn't have anybody to compete with. Yeah, that doesn't take away from the pack, or take away from the fact that he was damn good, right? Was good right. At, and, at football last year. And to just to that case in point, Travis, I'll tell you how good he, exactly he was. He, if you look at Jonathan Taylor, so yeah, we just said 35 runs that he had of 10 yards. James Robinson had only 31, but Jonathan Taylor carried the ball 232 times. And so that averages out to be a 10 yard run pretty much every 6.6 carries. James Robinson managed uh, 240 carries, which was sixth most in the league, by the way. And he ran for 10 plus yards on roughly average 7.7 carries, Travis. So he is doing things just as much or and, and they're just as impressive. He's just not as big of a name. And so here's what I this is all of that. And all this excitement is is wrapping me up to tell you that. If you going into this season, you have to be a believer in James Robinson because the vast majority of people aren't. So all these other guys that we're going to talk or the most majority of these guys that we're going to talk about, you can draft them. And if you whiff on them, unless it's like very plainly obvious that, you know, the, the season's not going in the direction of that running back. Most of these guys are going to carry their weight because of the the value of their name, right? You'll be able to trade them even if their value is even slightly lower. A guy like James Robinson is going to be hard to trade people because they're already not buying in. And if he doesn't meet those expectations, then it's going to struggle a little even more. So I am telling, I'm going to tell people, I believe in James Robinson. Um, I do think that where he's going might be a little high, uh, just because. We there are a lot of unknowns still with and there are a lot of guys that we're going to talk about here that I, I frankly I just like their positions just a little bit more. And um, but I, I'm just saying if you are going in and thinking about, hey, should I take James Robinson? You have to be a full believer because guaranteed a lot of the people in your league aren't fully full believers. So it's going to be more difficult to trade him later if it doesn't work out. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I think James Robinson is being slept on uh, in, in a lot of ways here, and I think he's going to be one of those guys you could at least – and it will really depend. I mean, if they bring in somebody electric like an ETN, you're going to have to be a little bit worried. Right. You're going to have to be a little bit worried about James Robinson's value. But I think that if it stays where it's at now, as of today, with James Robinson here, um, I, I love it. I love where he's priced. I love what he did last year. And I love that he's a guy that wasn't drafted. So you're going to get a lot of knock on him for how good he actually is. And he just put it. The proof was in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah. He got it done last year. Want to hit a couple. Uh, we got some an active chat today. Obviously, we're doing this show on second year running back. So I want to give credence to that. But I want to just get in here and just say, uh, Jaws Whedon coming in with some hard-hitting questions here. He says, Ahi, uh, Ahi Shashimi or Smoked Salmon? Johnny, I'll let you take that one. Uh, I'll do smoked salmon. Yeah, I do love me some smoked salmon. I do love some ahi, though, as well. Yeah. Uh, Jaws Whedon has one more question here. This one actually is, uh, you know, kind of football related here. Rookie pick 1.2, assuming Harris is gone. Would you take Chase, ETN, Williams, or T-Law? Johnny, I think that the answer will obviously depend on where these guys are landing. But, uh, you know, supreme situations. Who, who who do you like here the most? Um. 
I think you got to go ETN. I wouldn't. I I've been hearing a lot of rumblings that ETN will actually be like the the first running back off the board. That's kind of a lot of like upset, like surprise, you know, draft day trade things that a lot of people are predicting to happen is that ETN actually is the number one. And so, of course, like you have to look at that just like we looked at that for CEH last year. You know, he wasn't necessarily the number one running back coming in or as far as fantasy consensus goes. And then Chiefs took him number one uh, or as far as running back position goes. And then the rest is history. So um, I will say I am keeping a very, very close eye on where uh, Williams goes. I think he is a tremendous talent. Uh, there are a lot of people coming out that are comping him to Nick Chubb. You all know how much I love Nick Chubb on the show, and now Big Travis is trying to steal my thunder and, and join the Nick Chubb bandwagon. Um, but that's definitely uh, a guy that I would – I would potentially, depending on landing spot, I would possibly pick number two uh, overall over ETN. But um, as of right now, ETN is the number two running back that you take. Okay, and then Roxana, this is Roxana, Renata, Ashley, Bella. Thank you for joining us over on Facebook. Appreciate you. She said, what should my Cowboys do? Or he or she, I'm sorry. I think it might be uh, she. Uh, what should my Cowboys do at QB till Dak gets 100%? And what should they do defensive side of the ball? So I'll answer the first one with Dak. It sounds like everything I've read so far this offseason, we're still very early on in the process. But it sounds like Dak's going to be ready for week one. Everything I have read... Uh, seems to indicate that he will be ready for week one. Now, if they don't, if he's not ready, I think it'll be like one or two weeks that he's not ready. And then you're probably looking at something like Ben DiNucci uh, for a couple weeks, which is not something you want right now. But with Andy Dalton leaving, you don't have the veteran presence. Now, they could go pick somebody up. Josh McCown still sitting there trying to get the Houston head head coaching job. You could definitely sign him for a couple week contract and get him in there. I could see something like that. Defensive side of the ball, I think they started by getting rid of a guy who hadn't been playing or coaching football in a while, and Nolan, and then they brought in Dan Quinn as the coordinator. So I thought that was a good move. I think that's the best they can do right now is to get the good leadership in there. But remember, just to not to make you feel bad, Cowboys fan here, but uh, Mike McCarthy's never really had elite defenses, even in all of his time in Green. Bay. That was a, a calling card there. All right. So moving on, Johnny, we're going to talk about another exciting second year running back, and that is Cam Akers. He's the RB 46 in PPR last year, RB 42 in standard. He only had three games over 15 carries all year, Johnny. This Rams offense has a big pie, though. 471 carries put the Rams as the number seven most voluminous rushing attack in the NFL last year. And you look at what Akers was able to do, accounted for only 30% of the team's rushing market share. That was the highest among the Rams' three backs, but he was responsible for only 19% of the team's target market share to the running backs, which was the lowest of all three of the backs they had last year. He missed three games with a high ankle sprain and some rib cartilage separation, so he was a little bit dinged up. Then you look at Malcolm Brown, who's now left the team. This was one of those coaches' pets favorites of Sean McVay over his time there, guy that did the dirty work, blocked, plunged it into the red zone. He's gone now. 101 carries have exited and vacated this offense. That's 21% of the market share. 33 targets, Johnny. That's 46% of that Rams running back target market share. So a big chunk of the targets, another uh, you know semi-good chunk of the carries are there for Cam Akers. And then you have, of course, the biggest thing, which is more of a puff piece that's come out in this offseason, and that is that Sean McVay views Cam Akers as an every-down back. 
Look, mm-hmm. this is not a surprise to many that have seen him play. He looks like a guy who, if he gets volume, can do it. When we saw him at Florida State, he always had a horrible line and was still able to get the work done. When we saw that the Rams drafted him high uh, just a year after drafting Daryl Henderson with some decent capital, we can see that the Rams wanted Cam Akers and Sean McVay wanted Cam Akers. And now the cherry on top, Johnny, all of this working for Cam Akers, and you get in Matt Stafford who is a guy who can continue to throw the ball for first downs and keep drives alive and get you down into the red zone. So I think Cam Akers is pretty well priced at the end of the second round here. This is probably where you want to take him, and I think he's one of the guys who could easily shoot into top eight, top six, top five based on what we've seen the Rams offense do before, and we have never seen a quarterback in that Rams offense which produced Todd Gurley at two years of back-to-back RB1. We never saw him with a quarterback the caliber of Matt Stafford. So that's the point I'm making here is that there is a, an elite ceiling for Cam Akers, maybe more than any of those guys in the second year or in the second round where those guys are going. I think that's the most fired up I've seen you get over any of these second year <laughs> running backs. Travis, uh, I, I do agree with you. I think I think Cam Akers is going to be a really popular pick this year to be that like outside of the first round. What running back is, you know, potential to be the number finish as the number one overall running back. I think, you know, a lot of people are going to put their hat in the ring uh, for, you know, Cam Akers. The opportunity is there. The talent looks to be there. And then, like you said, getting Matthew Stafford, I think that's a huge, huge uh, bonus for this offense. And I think it's going to help them move the ball a lot more effectively and efficient, efficiently. Cam Akers is going to be a really good pick in the second round. Yeah, I, I just think it's just set up so nicely for him. The upside is definitely there. We want to know what you think, Whisper Nation. Let us know in whatever comment on whatever platform you are, who you, what you think of Cam Akers and the rest of these second-year guys we're talking about. And also, if you're new, give us a like. Give us a follow. Roxana over on Facebook just gave us a follow on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. Check appreciate us out on Twitter. We're everywhere. We appreciate everyone in here. A1 Kelly, who we believe is new to the channel. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for helping us uh, continue to do this. We're going to continue on here with the second-year running backs, and we're going to go with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, so similar to the Rams, the Baltimore Ravens were a very voluminous uh, running team, and they were the most. Uh, no team in the NFL ran more than the Baltimore Ravens. 555 attempts for 3,071 yards. They were a machine running the football. But 28% of that market share belonged to Lamar Jackson, Johnny. Uh, Dobbins, 134 carries, actually ranked third behind both Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards last year. That's 24% of the market share. A lot of people will claim that Ingram's exit will spell automatic upside for Dobbins, but that's only vacating 13% or 72 carries from last year's offense. So that's still a good chunk. You'd like to see him increase there, but is it enough to put him above a guy like Akers or Antonio Gibson, who we'll talk about next? I don't know. He was hyper-efficient, 6.0 yards per carry. He led all Ravens in targets and receptions. It's just going to be about predicting his upside in an offense whose leading rusher is their quarterback. So, Johnny, I just don't know if we can accurately do that in redraft leagues to say that Dobbins is going to be a sure fire uh, particular guy that we can count on as the RB1 that you're getting in that second round. And I would rather sit there and take a Cam Akers, who we just talked about, a James Robinson, who we just talked about, even a, a David Montgomery, who we'll talk about or we'll talk about on a different podcast. But these are guys that are going similar or later that I'm more interested in than Dobbins and trying to say, 
yes, he's going to hit on every upside here because Gus Edwards is still with the team. Lamar Jackson is still with the team, dominating touches, and uh, it just gets hard for me. Do you think, though, that something comes over Harbaugh this year? Because Harbaugh has been known to give a guy the keys in a rushing a rushing team. Will he give the keys to Dobbins and say, okay, Edwards, now you scoot down to a 15% market share, a 20% market share, and we're going to give 30 40 50% market share uh, to a guy like Dobbins. Do we take some of Lamar's rushing share down? Is that going to happen? I just don't see that happening unless like the only way I could see that legitimately happening. And even and even in the scenario that, that I'm going to talk about, it, it wouldn't benefit Dobbins, right? Like the only way it happens is if Lamar starts throwing more, right? And he gets like more accurate and comfortable with throwing. I'm not just saying like, oh, Lamar needs to throw more because I do agree on that. But I'm saying like he gets comfortable enough to be like, where he it's more of like his first nature i'm gonna run the such a path and he can run and a lot of dbs and and defensive players so his first thing is like not necessarily always to pass when he scrambles out it's like i want to look to run if lamar changes that to throwing then they could potentially move the ball more, have a little bit more opportunity. But you're still – I mean, we had a great video uh, about this very thing last year that we made specifically based on this backfield uh, where we talked about what is the effect that a running uh, quarterback have on a uh, – or a mobile quarterback have on a running back. And it was actually – it negatively affected the running back. And it and when it showed this year. And then when you're talking about splitting uh, – splitting your carries once more with Gus Edwards, who let's face it, we all can agree that we think Dobbins is the better athlete. And, you know, if he were to get that workload, sure, he would be fantastic and he would be able to hit those high ceilings. But I think you're drafting him right now where he would have to do like that would have to be the case. And I just think that, you know, we look too much into that one year with Mark Ingram where Mark Ingram kind of popped off and we're like, oh, like, he, they're willing to go with a run one running back system. I don't think that's the case, especially because they re-signed Gus Edwards and it works like they are r- effectively running the ball. And I don't see why they would need to to change that at all. So I think do- Dobbins is a guy that I'm actually moving down my list quite a bit um, because of that very, very case. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to explore this a little bit more and and see what the final roster looks like and what we're hearing out of Baltimore as well. But I do think it's a little concerning that we're getting so hyped up for Dobbins, who only had 24% of the rushing market share, only stands to increase that by vacated tar or vacated rushing by 13%. And that's if he got all 72 carries uh from Mark Ingram. I don't know that that's enough for me to tip the needle. Do I think that Lamar probably runs less than 28% of the market share next year? Yes, I do think that they do that. I do think that they're trying. They were in talks with a bunch of guys uh, in free agency, right? So they definitely want to gear it that way. I do believe, unlike my cohort here, that Lamar Jackson can improve as a passer. He did it every year in the NFL except for the last year and every year in college. What have you done for me lately, baby? That's what I I want to know. I understand that. Um, And we'll probably have this will be a heavily debated topic all year. But I do think that there is a a world where he can get there. I just don't know if he's safer than even a DeAndre Swift, who we'll talk about in a little bit, an Antonio Gibson, a Cam Akers and these other second year guys. He's probably my least favorite workload wise, even if he's one of my favorites talent wise in those guys. And so for that reason, I'm out. 
No, <laughs> wanted to give my best Shark Tank impression there. Uh, we're going to move on to the next guy. Yeah, we're going to move on to the next guy, which is Antonio Gibson. Johnny, I want you to take take the mic here on Antonio Gibson, because if I got the mic, I might be talking for two hours about how excited I am for Antonio Gibson here. Oh, man, I might just do that as well. Uh, I am more and more getting on the bandwagon of Antonio Gibson. Uh, I will give, you know, uh, this is not you know, financial or this isn't fantasy advice, but uh, I did go out and trade for Antonio Gibson this offseason and dynasty. So I'm really excited for the potential that he has. But let's recap a little bit and then I'll tell you why I'm so excited for Antonio Gibson. So last year he finished as the RB12 in both standard and half PPR. Uh, he played on 45.4% of snaps. Uh, which only amounted to about 170 carries for 795 yards. And uh, in spite of being touted as one of the most uh, elusive wide receivers uh, that, you know, he, he was a wide receiver, he turned running back. He only saw 44 targets last uh, last year, Travis, which is a very, very low uh, for a running back who we presume can carry or can catch the ball very well. Uh, but despite all of that, Travis. He had more points per game than CEH, DeAndre Swift, Dobbins, and Cam Akers. And he played, uh, he didn't, as we know, he injured, he had turf toe, so he didn't even play on all 16 games. Uh, he played on 13, I believe that was, sorry, I have to double check that number uh, of games. I, but during that time, he had 11 touchdowns, Travis, which tied uh, with Jonathan Taylor for the most uh, rushing touchdowns there or, or most touchdowns. And here's the big thing on as why I'm so excited about Antonio Gibson. Last year, he saw 100 and or um, J, uh, J.D. McKissick saw 110 targets, 110 targets to J.C. J, uh, J.D. McKissick. That's absolutely absurd. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, this year, as they should, they will know they won't throw to McKissick as much. Those targets should go to Gibson. And I think that if you raise Gibson's, let's say Gibson gets half of those. Now, I do understand as well. We don't have check down Alex Smith as the uh, quarterback. And so that's where a lot of those McKissick uh, targets came from was from him. And so I don't expect them to have that many total targets to the running back position. Travis, I do still think that they haven't fully utilized Gibson to his full extent I think that they were kind of easing him into that role and then he got injured right when they were about to really let off the training wheels for him uh and so I I think that Tony Gibson is one of the best values your people are excited about him but they don't know yeah, the true I, potential the excitement is is trickling into our chat right now and I want to get in on this Darius Rice says I'm super high on Gibson but he only carried the rock 170 times last year maybe in for some regression I think that's a yeah. fair point to talk about I think it's also fair to realize that this team was not as good as as we would want them to be last year, right? There was their first year under Scott Turner and with Ron Rivera and then that offense, and they were going through just what is a dumpster fire at quarterback. Uh, no offense to Alex Smith, but this was not Alex Smith that we know and love before. This is Alex Smith, as, as Johnny said, dink and dunk, uh, dump off Alex Smith. So I think now with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who opens up the offense, right, and then you have another year in this system for some of the other players, you bring in a guy, and I think this is one of the most underrated signings all offseason was Curtis Samuel going to Washington, which should help yeah. this offense tremendously push the offense forward. So maybe 
we can actually say that carrying the rock 170 times was a product of how bad the offense was. And we could see some positive regression for the offense, making that pie a little bit bigger for Gibson. So I actually think that we counteract that a little bit. A1 Kelly says, that's my fear with JT. Think he will be excellent, especially later in the year and when needed. But game script may have an ugly rotation. The Colts are a little bit different, and I, I don't want to keep banging the drum on JT. We already kind of discussed them a little bit. We need to get through some of these other guys. But the Colts are a little bit different to me. I trust that offense a whole lot more than I trust Washington. I trust that pie to be a whole lot bigger. So, yeah, well, I think that Jonathan Taylor probably doesn't belong in the top five and maybe belongs more towards the end of round one. I think that that's a situation where the offenses are a little bit better. better. They project to be better. So... In that case, I think that's where we're getting there. And I, and Joss Whedon wants to know, Johnny, what did you give for uh, Antonio Gibson? You mentioned trading him here. Oh. So a little bit of dynasty advice. Let's let's peel back the curtain here and make sure you tell the truth because I'm also in that dynasty league. I don't want to have to flash a screenshot up here and show yeah. the people what you actually gave. Um, I actually the main piece. So I I I would have to pull up here. Let me just pull up the. Um, I'll tell you the exact trade, but the main, like the main, a couple, just, couple picks, your firstborn child. Uh, I no, think, it wasn't like that. that much. No, no. So, um, I had basically get uh, given. I gave up the number one pick, uh, overall. It was like a, a combo of of deals, right? So I gave up the number one pick, and I end up getting uh, Justin Jefferson and the number and the one hundred nine pick, and then I flipped. Uh, Justin Jefferson. I have a, a lot of wide receivers, so then I ended up trading uh, Justin Jefferson basically for uh, Antonio Gibson. So I mean, there were some other bits and parts of draft picks in there, um, but I'm trying to find it, and I can't seem to find uh, the exact. Smitty is in the house. Want to say what's up to the Fantasy Football Show, aka Smitty, oh, aka sub, Fantasy Smitty. Football. Uh, you, Hey, we just, uh, we got to say you, you know, Smitty's one of the goats, go follow him. If you're not already, make sure you're over following the fantasy football show over on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. He, he puts out content. We need to get on uh, a collab here soon with you, Smitty. But yeah, that's kind of our take on Antonio Gibson. I know Darius, you're asking here about cam Akers. You've asked a little bit about, uh, Jonathan Taylor. We're going to be posting this video right back to the channel and then also on audio. So you can go back there and, and see what we said. We already covered those guys there. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty high. At least I'm pretty high on cam Akers at current ADP. I think it a lot makes sense based on what's going on with the, um, the backfield and the vacated rushing, uh, workflow there. I want to talk about Johnny's boy DeAndre Swift. I'm gonna I'm gonna start and spit a little bit of fire here about DeAndre Swift and let Johnny catch up. I know uh, I, I don't know if he knows any of this stuff, but I'm gonna try and, and school him a little bit on his boy Swift. Obviously, DeAndre Swift uh, kind of flashed some brilliance last year. RB 18 in PPR, RB 20 in standard. In his last 10 games, Swift had double digit fantasy points in eight of those games. That was in half-point PPR scoring. He had five or more targets in eight games last season, was 13th in the NFL in targets among running backs with 57, only received 32% of the team's rushing market share last year. So we look at that. We look at 50 targets that are going to be vacated by running backs no longer with Detroit coming into this year. 43% of Detroit rushing market share is also vacated. We've got Anthony Lynn coming to town as offensive coordinator. We've got Dan Campbell coming to town with ties to New Orleans and Miami. We've got Jared Goff coming to town as well. 
And if you look at that, I have a chart. If you guys go over to this, the website, thefantasywhispers.com, you look at articles there. I have a NFC North breakdown for art, article there. Uh, and you can see a chart that I put here that basically shows all these different things that are working in DeAndre Swift's favor for his targets per game and his catches per game based on people that have worked with these guys before. You look at Todd Gurley, who had two of his best years with Jared Goff. Alvin Kamara, who was uh, under the Campbell assistant head coaching position in New Orleans for four years. Melvin Gordon, who had three years with Anthony Lynn as his head coach. Austin Eckler, same story, three years with Anthony Lynn as his head coach. So you could look at all these ways that these different things work as a cocktail for DeAndre Swift on the very um, situation, just uh, on the on the very basis that it's going to be, he's going to increase as a pass catcher. And so that alone, plus the vacated a- Adrian Peterson rushing market share, plus if they end up cutting uh, on Johnson, which would be even more of the vacated rushing share, although I don't know that that happens, we're going to see a situation where Swift is basically guaranteed to be in workload and workload wise uh, an RB two RB two or better. And I think Swift's upside alone uh, makes him one of my favorites him, you know, behind cam acres there. But I think that he's definitely a guy that we're, we're really excited about. We got, we got a lot of, a bunch of people jumping in here for yeah, we see Lando. Lando. Here. Uh, what's Lando up? works uh, over at snap fantasy football podcast. One of our brother stations, make sure you hit them up on YouTube as well. Um, and then let's see, uh, Smitty asks, hot take, turn down, turn the audio down for a second, Johnny, as you just traded him. Justin Jefferson is one to two for wide receivers this year. I agree. I like him a lot. I found the trade. So this was the exact one. Okay. I traded Justin Jefferson, Anthony McFarland, a fourth rounder uh, this uh, next year, a fourth rounder next year, and um, 212 this year for – Antonio Gibson and 202 this year. Um, so I'm the reason why, once again, I have my wide receivers are, I do agree that Justin Jefferson is a dominant wide receiver. I love him. Uh, but my other wide receivers right now are Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, DJ Moore, and CD Lamb. Uh, and then I also have DJ Chark and Antonio Brown on my bench. So, I needed some more running back depth, so I made the move. I liked it. Um, but, yeah, Justin Jefferson, we'll talk about him on Friday's show for sure. And I'm glad – Travis, I'm glad that you were able to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about DeAndre Swift and finally, you know, see a little bit of why I'm so excited about DeAndre Swift. You Whisper Nation knows how much I love him, so I don't need to talk about him. All right, let's talk uh... – CEH uh, here, Johnny, he's our next guy. So why don't you just tell a little bit of Whisper Nation what you saw out of CEH last year and how we're feeling coming into this next year. Because I think a bounce back could be definitely in store for CEH as a guy that, you know, especially now with Damian Williams out the door and some other things going on. Yeah, I CEH is one of the guys that I actually think is really undervalued right now um, in in redraft leagues and in and Dynasty because – the trade, ha- or like we were talking earlier on this show, right? We had um, CH was the number one running back taken last year's draft. He wasn't projected to be, so everyone got on the on the hype train. CH, and then and then we had Damian Williams opt out of the season. So then everyone and their mother wanted in on this bandwagon of CH, and he jumped all the way up to the first round. And because of that, everyone attached this massive, you know, everyone. And I get it. We we are all guilty of this, Travis. We are we all do this, but we we 
put uh, his ceiling automatically in place and said, this is what he's going to get. And he he failed at that. He failed at whatever that, you know, whatever that pie in the sky dream was that everyone was envisioning for CH. It didn't come true. Uh, but this is what he did do. 60% snap share. He had 181 carries for 803 yards, which was 17th in the league. He had 36 targets on 55 or 36 receptions, excuse me, on 55 targets for 297 yards, which was 19th in the league. He did have four drops, which I think um, he'll be able to work on. I'm not really concerned about his drops. But here's where the big part, Travis, of where his downfall was. It wasn't necessarily in the amount of carries and yardage. Like I just told you he was he was about par right of of where he would be his rookie year um but he only had five total touchdowns which was 2.3 percent uh and that's that's the big area we were we had this idea in our mind that it was a walk-in shoe-in that ceh would be getting 10 touchdowns uh and, and it didn't end up being that and uh, i will say some of the things that i did like in ceh and why i'm turning around on him as a, a very big bargain because you're getting him now at the you know back of the second round, early third, which is where he was originally going last year before the Damian Williams news, which I think is right because he had able line carries. That's pretty healthy. Uh, he did get stuff there, so we'll see as he gets into the second year, right? Run blocking efficiency for Kansas City was the worst. It was 70.1, um, but even with it that bad, he still evaded 48 tackles on 20, uh, 236 touches, so that's 17th in the league. He's super evasive. He was one of the highest rated uh, rookie running backs, according to PFF. He was the third highest. And so when you look at all the data and you take a step back, yes, did he disappoint for where he was going last year? Yes, but was that his fault particularly? No. And then you, if you look at what um, Kansas City generally likes to do, well, who were we comparing him to all last year, Travis? Or who was Kansas City saying he was like? Brian Westbrook. And what did we say last year when we when this came out? I said, Brian, like pump the brakes real quick because Brian Westbrook took a minute to catch up to this offense. It's very complex. And but once he did, he he was one of the best running backs. And I think that's what you're gonna get from CEH this year. Yeah, I, I don't have any major qualms with what you're talking about here, and I think CEH did need some time. I think a lot of these rookies took some time. You know, you look at Taylor, who we talked about at the top of the show, took some time to knock some rust off. We've seen that happen for rookie RBs, even in a year where they got some of those regular season or preseason reps that we said these guys couldn't get. I think pretty much for me, CEH is a guy for not only positive regression based on what he did last year, but positive regression for that team to run the ball more uh, because we know they want to do that. Uh, we have some comments popping up here. Johnny, you want to play? Uh, you want to fire some of these up and see if which we ones, which ones you want? Yeah. Uh, so we got, got Love CH from yeah, uh, Smitty Show. Jaws a little while up said he asked a question for these guys, wanted to ask Smitty about Henderson, a must cuff for Akers, to which Smitty respond, not sure what the Rams will do if Akers goes down. Hard to trust that staff. Um, Jaws following up. Hendo looked pretty good in a couple of those games rocked my Seahawks a bit. Yeah, I think Henderson actually is the handcuff. Like, I have to be honest. I think Henderson is a guy that's shown juice on tape. Uh, Yeah, we don't know what to do with the coaching staff, but Malcolm Brown, who was the big variable in this, is now out the door. Now, they'll probably bring somebody in with a later pick, but not anybody that I think would be know the offense better than Daryl Henderson and not 
you know, and cause Daryl Henderson to not be the second in line should anything happen to Akers. So for me, Henderson is the guy. And I think Henderson's being a little bit undervalued as a late guy in drafts that could af- absolutely break out for you should something happen to Akers, should Akers stumble. Uh, not that I think any of that will happen, but I think that, you know, what you got to do in drafts is take dart throws. And I think Henderson's one of the most exciting dart throws there is just based on his juice alone. And then the offense being the cog in this wheel, especially with Stafford coming to town. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, we couldn't get to that question sooner, Jaws, but appreciate you asking. Appreciate Smitty helping out there in the comments as well. Johnny, I want to talk a little bit about AJ Dillon and Zach Moss. Those are our final two backs in the second year guys. These are mm-hmm. a little bit less exciting, a little bit less sexy of the guys that are going, uh, but we need to talk about them because they're second year guys that could have an impact um, similar to the Daryl Henderson situation. You might want to stack some of these guys as, as lottery tickets. We look at AJ Dillon. He's, you know, reminder here, rookie running back last year. He had the Derrick Henry size measurables, was going to be playing with Matt LaFleur. Everybody went goo goo gaga over his thighs last year. Only sizable usage was that monster game against Tennessee. It was a game in the snow. He went 21 for 124 with two touchdowns. He's likely going to get uh, the majority of Javante, uh, I'm sorry, not Javante, Jamal Williams is 119 carries, if not all of those. That's 26% of last year's market share to add on there. He was efficient in a small sample size last year, 46 for 242 yards. He had two touchdowns and 5.26 yards per carry. Johnny, he's an exciting specimen. He's an exciting guy and an exciting offense, but there's a guy that's way more exciting than him as the RB1 for this team, and that's Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is a proven commodity. Aaron Jones is a guy that has Alvin Kamara-like efficiency. Aaron Jones is a guy that got paid like a top running back in the league. So nothing on the surface tells you that A.J. Dillon is going to be some rock star for you, but he's definitely one of the higher-valued uh, handcuffs for me. He's definitely a guy that could fit right into a role with more volume, and we'll see what Green Bay, of course, does in the draft for running back. They will most assuredly take a running back. They're going to definitely draft one uh, watching Jamal Williams go. It's just where and what capital. Um, and given that they just did A.J. Dillon in the second round, I can't imagine they're going to be going for higher capital than Dillon. So Dillon to me, purely a handcuff, but definitely one of the more exciting handcuffs there are in the NFL. All right, Johnny, bring us home with Zach Moss. Let's talk a little bit about Zach Moss. Obviously, uh, I know what I'm going to get here, giving you the mic to talk about Zach Moss. I will take it on the chin here for Zach Moss last year. I do still think, should nothing change in the Buffalo backfield, that Zach Moss is the guy to go and grab because he is the guy who projects to be a better all-around running back. But we have some concerns, obviously, with what Josh Allen does in the red zone as a runner. We have some concerns with what this team did as a running football team last year. And so then, then we have concerns about Zach Moss, which I'll let you kind of go into. Yeah, I uh, I shouldn't have let you, you know, I, I was standing so firm and strong that Zach Moss, I didn't want, I want no part of him. I didn't, I didn't like him last year. And I, you know, I went on several podcasts proclaiming how much I didn't want to take him and I didn't like him. And you know what, you know, I listened to you and Chelsea long enough. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so I fell for the, you know, the, yeah, yeah. I fell Look, for the cookies. I didn't, I didn't ask for this hey. monologue about how bad your life. Tell me about yeah. Zach Moss. 
I don't know if you're going to want to know about Zach Moss <laughs> after this, after I tell you, but all right. He had 44%, 44.9% snap share. Um, so he, he didn't even play. I do know he, you know, we do know he was a little injured there and banged up. So he did miss some time with that, but even on the series he, or season, he only had 112 carries for 481 yards. So he averaged 37 uh, yards per game. Uh, he only saw 18 targets last year. That was this big knock thing, or that was the big uh, whole argument for him coming in. He was going to take the receiving workload from Devin Singletary, and that just didn't happen. Uh, only saw 14 receptions off of those 18 targets, so not a very good uh, uh, conversion rate there. Um, and then you look at this percentage of runs for 10 plus yards. We talked about it with some of the running backs earlier, but I just want to compare Singletary and Zach Moss because I don't even know if Zach Moss is the better running back in this backfield. Uh, Zach Moss had 10% uh, of his runs break for 10 or, or plus yards. That was 31st out of 50 running backs. Devin Singletary wasn't that much greater, but he was at 13%, but that ranks 11th out of 50 running backs. And then if you look at his uh, missed tackles, Zach Moss, which is, that was another thing that Zach Moss was supposed to be really good at coming out of college is breaking tackles, missed tackles. He's a beast. He's got big, th- big thighs, just like AJ Dillon. Uh, but unfortunately, he only had nine. He was 19th in missed tackles, where Devin Singletary was 11th in missed tackles. Uh, Singletary, or yard, you're looking at yards per con or yards after contact, yak, as we like to say on this show. Uh, Zach Moss was 26th, where Singletary was 14th. I am very concerned about Zach Moss. I think it goes further than, you know, we could say the, you know, the COVID stuff and and all of that. Uh, I am genuinely worried that Zach Moss is not a good runner and not a good running back. And I don't know if Buffalo thinks that as well. Uh, The stats would indicate, you know, we weren't really high on Devin Singletary. That was the real answer, by the way. Like, I got that wrong as well because the the real answer to the entire question wasn't, hey, would you rather have Singletary or Zach Moss? It was, hey, you should have just stay away from this as a a whole. Um, It will be interesting to see if the Bills do draft a running back, if, Najee Harris goes there, Travis Etienne, then uh, you could hear uh, there would be some panic there for both people who have Zach Moss and Singletary. But I don't know, Travis. I I don't know if I would if I'm if if I, I don't th- I think I'm just going to stay away from Zach Moss completely. I mean, the nice thing is, yeah, unlike really these, depend, uh, it's really going to depend on the, on what they do in the draft. And we talked a little bit about this on the last mock draft. It's like if it stays as it is you should probably make a decision on one of the guys. And you can look at the stats you just said and say, I think Zach Moss is bad at football, and I think that Singletary is a little bit better, and I think I'm going to go with the talent here and go with Singletary. I choose to look at this as a couple reasons. Obviously because of the tape I watched last year on Zach Moss and how I still am holding on to a little bit of a bias and a belief in Zach Moss, I'm going to say things like this, but he is he was a rookie last year who needed time to get into the chops and do what he had to do. Then he got hurt. So I don't think that he got to do everything he needed to do. I think that he's got a longer learning curve coming from a smaller school. I could see that being the case as well. You look at situations uh, for Zach Moss 
in this Buffalo backfield where it was a team that did not run the ball a ton because it didn't need to because it threw all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to change most likely. Usually when those teams are big and throwing and low and rushing, the pendulum swings back the next year and they and they even out a little bit. I think there will be more of a rushing pie for this team next year, and I think that's going to be part of it. And I think if it stays as it is, no Najee Harris, no Travis Etienne, you know, no second round running back. If they get somebody later on, I'm going to still put a, a you know, a, you know, my hat in the ring on Zach Moss because I think he projects to be better than he was last year. This team projects projects to be a better rushing team than it should than it was last year, and that alone would make him worth a you know stab in the dark. And I think he's going to be priced right, Johnny. I think he's going to be priced really right. Yeah, he's free. So yeah, that is are, that is the yeah, right well, price. Because I think people are going to be as burned as what you said, but like we give credit to to running backs that take a while to get going. I mean that's that that has been the case before, so I don't see why it couldn't be the case. And if they end up being you know loving Zach Moss enough to let him do the thing, then I think that could be a situation. All right. Well, we want to know what you think, Whisper Nation. If you're new to the channel, make sure you're hitting that subscribe on any platform you're on. You're following us on all the social media platforms. We appreciate everybody here. Um, that has joined us today. Everybody was very active in the chat. A couple of our colleagues out there in the in the industry coming in here. We really appreciate the love, and we're excited. This is full blown off season schedule. We've been going live every three days every week, and we're putting out content. Articles are coming out. There'll be a new article out tomorrow. So thank you for the support. Make sure you head over to thefantasywhispers.com and check us out there, and let us know in the comments below which your favorite second year running back it is. Johnny, any final thoughts for the people? Yeah, uh, did you did you change your mind on any of these two rathers in the beginning? Uh, Zeke or JT? You still go Zeke, right? Yeah, I think there are concerns with JT's upside that, that kind of scare me off of where he's going ADP-wise. Okay, uh, and then uh, I know that you're still taking Cam or Aaron Jones over Cam Akers. Yeah, I love Cam right. Akers where he's priced. Aaron Jones is priced at the end of the first round, beginning of the second for reasons look cam Akers is what we want like cam Akers wants to be aaron jones and aaron jones has done it and proved it and so like we need to just say this is what aaron jones is and draft he just has a picture of aaron jones in his locker yeah, he wears aaron saying, yeah. jones pajamas yeah. to bed dude i mean who wouldn't realistically yeah. um all right just to go uh still tyreek over james robinson yeah okay uh still dobbins over eckler I think I would go Eckler. I actually, over I think Dobbins. I'm going Eckler over Dobbins. All right, we got one. We got one change. We got one change. All right, uh, Ceh or Miles Sanders, I like Ceh. Okay, and Gibson over Joe Mixon. Yeah, I think so. Uh, still, that one's really close for me. That one's uh, close. And then Swift over Dave Montgomery. Yeah, I love Swift's upside. Montgomery just doesn't okay. have the juice that Swift has. I think that that's right. just the thing for me. And then the last, I know this hurts, Zach Moss. You still choosing that delight over oh, Zach yeah. Moss we're after taking, those sexy stats? We're taking the shakes, man. All right, man. That's it. That's all I got today. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.